Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex, what's up, man? Not too much, Mike. Uh, happy to be here. And it's been a while, but we have a guest, a very special guest. Uh, we have yeah. Lenny from EDH Rec. Lenny, how are you doing today? I am doing really good, especially now that I'm not at work. Um, right. And I'm happy to be on a podcast with y'all. Yeah, now, we're happy to have you. I saw your latest article. Why don't you tell us what that article was about, and maybe our audience will understand why we wanted to have you on. Okay, happily. So, um, I guess my article series, and I'll start there, is called Power Sync on EDHREC. And mm-hmm. it's about taking commanders that have a reputation, that are really powerful, that the ones that are like, ugh that one and then finding fun ways to kind of take other directions to take them just to kind of give people an option and say hey there's more we can get out of this game if we just look at it a little differently uh, i love that and my latest article uh was actually based on one of my own personal decks uh, i have an atraxa group hug deck uh, also secretly Turbo Fog, and that was what my sure. latest article was about. Awesome. Yeah, that, it, I, I, I got to let that sink in just a little bit for anybody who hasn't read the article yet, which we're going to uh, go ahead and put a link to in the show Absolutely. notes here because it's a really good read. Um, but it attracts a group hug. And, you know, I, 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 I've, I've gone into your backlog some, and I've, I've seen your articles pop up on EDHREC when I'm in there. So every once in a while, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I know what this is going and then when I saw the concept of power sync, and I was just like, "Oh, I love this. Yeah, this perfect. totally fits. It's a great we idea." Because we're sitting here, and you know, we made a a, a Piru deck because I wanted to take a challenge from our listeners and like, "Hey, give us a deck, give us a commander that doesn't necessarily scream, you know." fun for the entire table group hug chaos political give us something that doesn't necessarily scream what we usually go for and we'll show you that we can do it and now i feel like you know when somebody invents something that's like really really cool and you go ah i'm jealous that they did it instead of me even though you never had that idea i'm so jealous because attracts a group hug is a thing and i'm looking at it and went well that's just good construction and oh dang this deck probably works ah okay absolutely well guess i'll go back to my dumb dumb voltron deck now it's really right up our alley um i know that mike has a lot of decks where he's taken uh commanders in interesting directions i myself have an Embercool group hug deck and a vanifar group hug deck both Mm -hmm. very powerful commanders that People would not associate with group hug, but we found a way. So you had mentioned that this is, you know, this is part of a series that you write with Power Sync, but it's also based on a deck that you've had for like a good amount of time. So what inspired you to make this deck? Uh, yeah, that's actually a really easy one. Uh, it well, there's multiple inspirations. First and foremost is Commander Cookout podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. way back in the beginning, early days of their podcast, they had a thing they called hashtag Project Atraxa. 
which, <laughs> because at the time, Atraxa was the number one commander, and she is again. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember that. Yeah. And so they had a bunch of cool ones, and they had Atraxa Turbo Fog. And uh, Atrax, like, Turbo Fog has been a deck archetype that for me has been like something that is really just like interesting, and I've always wanted to build one of those decks. Um, okay. The, the other inspiration, and I can't remember who wrote this, I should have done my research, uh, on the Wizards website, back in the days of Innistrad, uh, was it Innistrad? I'm pulling up the one card from my list. They had talked about a standard Turbo Fog deck. Uh, it was based around the card Otherworld Atlas. And nice. So, Love that card. I can't remember if the Commander Cookout podcast deck had this card, but this is what inspired me to do a Traxa Group Hug, because Otherworld Atlas is a four-mana artifact, which is tap, put a charge counter on it, and then you can also instead tap it to have each player draw a card for each charge counter on Otherworld Atlas, which mm-hmm. really works great with Atraxa. And then another oh, fun, yeah. yeah, and then another fun card in there that was kind of the other favorite card in the deck is Walking Archive, <laughs> which is a 1-1 uh, for 3 mana. It's got Defender. It's an artifact creature golem. Uh, and it looks sweet. I love this art where it's like a little scroll golem. Scroll them, if you yeah. will. Scroll and uh, yeah. it, scroll them is very good. <laughs> it enters with a 1-1 one, one counter on it, and at the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player draws a card for each plus one counter on Walking Archive. You can also nice. pay two in Azorius to put another counter on it, but also a Traxa. Right, absolutely. So I think that our listeners probably know what a Traxa is, and they probably know what Group Hug is, but could you explain for us and our listeners what a Turbo Fog deck does? Ah, yes. So a Turbo Fog deck seeks to basically draw out the game or do some sort of alternate win condition to win, but in the meantime, you're completely blocking combats by casting fog after fog after fog. Now, Hmm. in Commander, that does exist. Um, Typically, you see people run Angus McKenzie Turbo Fog because Angus (laughs) McKenzie has it right there on the card where you can pay, I think, Bant and then fog yeah. the combat but it's like that card is like a ton of money right That's now an expensive card yeah yeah and yeah. also what i don't like about it is that it's i mean we, we'll, we can talk a bit more about this when we talk more about the deck i didn't like the idea of that card because it's very like this is what's on the page this is what's going to happen and then it's one fog every time mm-hmm. that you can just say hey you just have to get through that and that didn't seem super fun to me. I liked the idea of, like, I don't know, maybe I have it, maybe I don't. Yeah, gotcha. it's 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 not a, I always am going for this thing and finding this answer, and as soon as I have the answer, well, this is the game now, and you have to figure out a way around it. it it's much more, it, it, it's coming from a concept that I've never really dove into that hard, where it is a group hug deck, that is also designed to draw the game out. Where every deck that I build group hug wise, I'm I'm trying to put extra engines onto the battle cruisers for everybody. <laughs> but looking at it, I mean, you say turbo fog. There's 15 different fog effects in here. Oh my god. Yeah. And it seems about right based on what you're talking about. You want to draw this out because I'll let you get to it. 
that's where you have to get your actual win condition for this deck. And maybe it wins, maybe it doesn't, but it's very capable of winning from where I see. What is the main win condition for your group hug attracts a deck here? So the main win condition of the deck is, like you said, to... Well, basically, I think of it as a celebration of other people's decks, and that's verbatim <laughs> from my article. And so I appreciate my opponents and their creativity, and I would like them to see every single card in their deck, including and mm -hmm, especially mm -hmm. the card that's under the last card of their deck. So, right. so naturally, I have a lot of things to help them draw cards. Uh, so like Dictate a Crucifix, Howling Mine, mm -hmm. uh, that kind of stuff is in there. The previously mentioned Walking Archive and... Uh, the um oh my goodness Otherworld Atlas. thank you uh mm -hmm. which those basically will compound and start to make me draw more cards uh also a personal favorite other personal favorite uh forced fruition which is a mm -hmm. six mana oh, yeah. enchantment whenever an opponent casts a spell that player draws seven cards which that, that card is near and dear to our hearts. Of it's it's a, the mill weight condition that also serves as the group hug that everyone thinks they want, but they really don't until they don't. Yeah, they don't. It's it's pretty much as soon as any person casts two spells into the into it, they're like, I don't want this anymore. Oh, oh I I'm see. done now. I hate it. Oh, thanks. I hate it. Except for occasionally, <laughs> I have run into somebody with a reliquary tower in the card forbid. But you know what? I love I mean, that journey for them. Oh, for bits such a great kind of spell, right? You're 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 endorsing people to have as much fun as they can possibly handle, and sometimes uh, they can only handle seven cards. That's not your fault, right? Exactly, totally, totally reasonable. Yeah, and I'm not going to lie and say I haven't been thinking about forbid for this deck. <laughs> I mean, if it means anything whatsoever, I am the not a counter spell. Not a stacks person whatsoever, and I still think about forbid for everything oh. because you, you you kind of obligated to, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I, I we we'll talk about counter spells later and why I think you should play them, but uh, okay. just to knock a few more win conditions out, I have uh, sure. you know Jace's archivist and uh, whispering mm -hmm. madness and windfall to kind of wheel, which is great when people have tons of cards in their hand, but Absolutely. I also feel it sucks to have to discard cards, so. You know, we have folio of fancies in there to make sure that people have no max hand size. And Excellent. it also helps me draw cards. And then because graveyard players shouldn't be left out, I've also got uh, it also has the ability to mill everyone for the cards in their hand. Uh, I also have it's on the ah, there we are price of knowledge, uh, which also makes sure that everybody has no max hand size for six and a black on an enchantment. And, you know, at the beginning of each opponent's upkeep, it deals damage to them equal to the number of cards in their hand. But, you know, that's the price they pay. It's worth it to keep all those lovely cards. Interesting. I, this, the, and the weird thing is, is like, this is another one of those cards that I don't know why I haven't seen it more. It, it I don't know. I, I don't even know if when I saw it on your deck list, if I had seen it before and I forgot or if it was new to me for the first time, because I had the same reaction to it every time I see a card in, like, you know, the dollar rare bin. Oh. Oh, oh, okay. I need this. I, I need three of these. Why don't I have any of these? Why haven't I figured out that I need this card? It, oh, it, price of knowledge is really cool. It's because I think black is not a typical color that shows up in group hug, because usually black is very, like, infested mm. in itself. Uh, but there's a couple of really good pieces for it. 
uh, like Wishclaw Talisman is a wonderful one, especially Absolutely. with Atraxa. I find there's a yeah. lot of interesting options in Black for Urpa because Black tends to have effects that can target another player, whereas there's fewer effects in, in other colors that might say target player draws cards or target player searches their library or target player does this and that. Yeah. Black allows you to be as generous as you want to be, as selfish as you want to be. Yeah. It has those options. Speaking of black and group hug, uh, <laughs> you should check out my second article, which is my attempt at Turgrid group hug. Oh my god. So it sounds like you're coming back, because I just need to understand that. Oh my um, god. But I'm all for it. Uh, okay. <laughs> yes. So so, that sounds so, we're milling, so we're milling people, we're getting them to draw lots of cards, we're punishing them for the amount of cards that are in their hand. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I also have a cute and, infinite combo in there. Um, and that's what I wanted to get to. Hey. Because the the combo that is there, it I combos scare me for the most part. But I think that's just because I've been traumatized enough by Thassa's Oracle and, mm. and the like, right? This is a combo that w- it showed up and I was like, oh, that's clever. And I like it. I think I hate it, but I love it. So t- talk to me about this combo. Okay, so... so. <laughs> It's, it's silly, and I, it's so great. I, I love it, too. That's why I have it in the deck. Uh, so I, it's funny, actually. I used to have Mind Over Matter Temple Bell, and I took that Mind mm-hmm. Over Matter out to put this combo in. Um, so first off, it's doubling season, which the price of doubling season sucks. Uh, we're sure. just going to yes. get that right out there. Uh, yep. But it is a card that I have a lot of in my collection because uh, I have been playing Magic since Fallen Empires was a set and new. Wow. There you go. Yeah, and I came, Ravnica was one of my periods where I came back to the game and I was like, ooh, okay, I'm going to make a Celestia tokens deck. And I was like, I'm going to buy four doubling seasons for like a couple bucks. And then I opened yeah. one in a booster pack and I was like, okay, I have five doubling seasons. And then I'm jealous of your commitment. It worked out for me. Oh, you. it's even it's even <laughs> stupider because my husband also like every set that that card has been reprinted. My husband buys packs and opens it. So like mm-hmm. somewhere in my house, there's probably like eight or nine doubling seasons. They keep doubling. Yeah. That, yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and they keep doubling in price. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So bit by bit. Humble brag aside, doubling season is the first card. <laughs> You resolve that, uh, and then you also resolve... I don't need to read Dumpling Season, right? We know this card. No, no, we know Dumpling Season. It doubles the things. Yeah, it doubles all the things. Tokens and and counters. Wheel of Sun and Moon, which is a card we do need to read. uh, Yes, we do. (laughs) It's two Celestia Hybrid, Enchant Player. If a card would be put into Enchanted Player's Graveyard from anywhere... Instead, that card is revealed and put on the bottom of that player's library. So what I like about this card is that it... Uh, oh, this is also an expensive card now. Jeez. Okay. But what, yeah, it, it climbs. Yeah, that hasn't sure. been reprinted in literally ever. Yeah, and the art is <laughs> like six. So if a card would be put into Enchanted Player's Graveyard from anywhere, instead, the card is revealed and put on the bottom of that player's library. Uh it's really nice because while you're casting your fogs and stuff, it's one of the ways to break parity in the deck. Because you'll notice mm-hmm. I don't run any Eldrazi Titans to shuffle things back in. <laughs> sure. Um, so you enchant yourself. Yes. 
Uh, or if there's a really pesky graveyard player who's giving you a bad time, you enchant them. Mm -hmm. uh, but mostly yourself, and that's what you do for the combo. And then the final one is Jace, Architect of Thought, which is a 2 and 2 blue. And uh, this is a not great Planeswalker, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, plus 1 until end of uh, until the your next turn, uh, creature's target opponent controls... Uh, you know, gain minus one, minus O till end of turn. But we honestly, we could skip that. We could skip the second ability when we're yeah, talking. It, it's the, the main one here. Yeah, we're, it's doubling season. Right. Doubling season's out. Yeah, so doubling we're, season's we're out. Looking at the, um, we're looking at the ults. Yeah. Uh, and what's really important about it is that he starts out with four loyalty and his alt is mm -hmm. minus eight. So if you play doubling season, his alt immediately kills him. Um, and so for each player... Search that player's library for a non-land card and exile it. Then the player shuffles their library, and you may cast those cards without paying their mana costs. So what happens here is you will ultimate Jace, and Sun Wheel mm -hmm. of the Sun and Moon says, cool, send that to the bottom of your library. That's what you find for yours, because it's each player, and you'll recast Jace Architect of Thought, ready to ultimate again. And then you just take something from everybody else. And if nobody can interrupt this loop, you get to exile every non-land card from all of your opponent's uh, libraries, and you can play whichever ones you want. I've only That's done awesome. it three times. Yeah, I've only done it three <laughs> times in the three years that this de this has happened. And let me tell you, only the most stubborn, bullheaded people will try to continue the game through this. I mean, oh, I certainly even, would. I, well, but here's the thing: what are you casting at that point? Anything that's in your hands. Yeah. Oh no, I'm I'm saying I'm saying the as the opponent like, <laughs> at that point, it's like I could I could well, play. You'd, uh, you'd have to find a way to counter Jace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have you'd have to stop it. A right. Whole yeah, and and that's part of what I thought was crazy about this because I I don't I don't love when a deck's like win condition is I'm going to make everybody scoop. Yeah. But this is a, a one combo in here that does something I haven't seen before. And it's pretty cool. Cause like, cause it goes in with the theme, what you were saying before. It's like, I want everybody to be able to see all of the things their deck can do. And, and I'm going con, to do them all. Yeah. Is the, <laughs> one of your win cons, this infinite combo is the ability to do that. But it doesn't do that and then draw out the game for another hour. It's a, okay, I'm going to cast everybody's everything that's good. And if it's not good, it's going to go into exile. Are we cool here? Are we done here? Yeah. I, I like it a lot. It, it, mm. And it's another, it's another really neat just thought process. And the other thing that I want to say, especially in, in this deck's favor, is it's a Traxa. It's got a doubling season in it. But there's only the one Planeswalker. So it's not like you're going super far into the Super Friends kind of category. It's not yeah, that'd going be too into... Easy. A, yeah, it's not going into a lot of the different categories. You're really leaning in to this effect of Turbo Fog, draw cards for everybody, punish people for drawing cards, mill cards, all that good stuff. It's enabling everything. And 
the only difference is that you are capable of taking your foot off the gas, but nobody else probably is. Mm-hmm. It's a cool concept. Thank you. Uh, that still remains one of my favorite decks to play, and usually people have a good time playing against it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I will say I, I am trying to be good about saying, hey, like if you have a super aggro-focused deck that doesn't like run counter spells or like a way to deal with it, I I will usually be like, hey, like I'm not gonna play this deck because you're gonna have sure. a bad time. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, but like you know, for a lot of times, like in games of commander like you know usually people have backup combos things like that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. you can just kind of like get away with that and you know sure you have some fogs and sure you might frustrate the people but this is kind of a good time i think to talk about like the fogs that i use in the deck yes oh yeah for sure because we we've talked about fogs in their own right at one point on an episode we did yeah because because it seems so weird that you know, Command Zone did their study. You know, it, it, it's a couple years back at this point, but several you know, years, yeah, yeah, roughly half of the games that you play in EDH, the winner wins by combat, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So if if that's going to be decided in half the games, the fact that fogs and combat tricks and stuff like that aren't more common in some way, shape, or form is always been kind of an insane thing. It's endlessly fascinating idea to us. Do you have any insight on why that might be, Lenny? Uh, Why people don't run a lot of fogs? Yeah, despite the fact that combat is so prevalent in the edge and combat wins games. Um, I think it's because it doesn't feel like it wins games. Like, it does, but I think that's something that you wouldn't notice unless you were measuring the outcome of it. Uh, Because, like, (laughs) even now, like, how much time did we just spend on the combo in this deck? Although this deck does not win by combat ever sure uh, right. but like it, it that's like a lot of the focus and i think one of the other things is that it's usually like you know you'll have some crazy value engine you'll aristocrat some people mm-hmm. out and you'll be like oh okay well i guess i'll swing this this and this at you for like the for the kill and they're like okay game was won by combat that's fair but it's like that's in a way it's not really won by combat I mean, but it was, and that's why the fogs would work. Yeah, <laughs> fair. So let's hear about some of these fogs. Uh, okay, I wanna I wanna poke at you because I see this one at the top of the list. Mike and I have talked about this card a lot. Talk to us about Arachnogenesis. Uh, yeah. So Arachnogenesis is a card that I have because I have played for a very long time, and I have bought nearly <laughs> every precon of Commander. Sure. And uh, it's really great because it's two and a green instant, and you put X, one, two green spider tokens with reach onto the battlefield where X is the number of creatures attacking you. Prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn by non-spider creatures. And this is a fog that I enjoy because it extends into the next turn, but it's actually very far from my favorite fog in the deck. Hmm. It's good. How... How do you find its effectiveness? Do you play against a lot of go-wide decks in your meta? No, not really. Okay. Because we've talked about it, Mike and I, and, and not to not to suggest that you shouldn't run it, but we've we've found in our play experience that it's a lot better on paper than it is in practice unless you're playing against those more wide decks. How yeah. do you feel? I feel like it's not worth its $30 price tag. That's probably That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, the, it is very good on paper, and if you have a go-wide mm-hmm. person, like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But 
a lot of EDH is like value creature, value creature, and then right, right. like, and the way combat is won. Oh, actually, honestly, going back to this to the other thing, why mm-hmm. people don't think about fogs is that the way combat is won is Craterhoof. I think is kind of emblematic of it, and <laughs> how yeah. and while Arachnogenesis will stop a Craterhoof, like it is kind of like one shot combat and you're dead. Mm. Um, but yeah, eh, like I, like honestly, if you have it in your, if you have them in your, um, if you want to use a fog, I'm happy to talk about the other fogs that I think are a better choice in modern commander. Yeah. Yeah. Let's hear about them. Okay. Yeah. Arachnogenesis is in here because you have it and because the deck has 15 fogs. And yes. what's, what's your favorite paper, fog out of this big fog list? Okay. Favorite is Riot Control. Okay. Yeah. So two and a white, you gain one life for each creature your opponents control. Prevent all damage that would be dealt to you this turn. Not combat damage. Damage. Just damage. That's very nice. Yeah. And it, you're getting all benefit here, and more importantly, you're not necessarily sharing the wealth. If it's a, you know what? All right, some people are going to die, but I'm going to be okay, and I'm going to get a benefit. It's pretty cool. Your mm-hmm. opponent's control. That's all of your opponents. All of I your opponents. I have not seen this card before. Yeah. Um, for a mere yeah, it's tw- pretty slick. 24 cents on uh, TCG player, you can have yourself yeah. a Wyatt riot control. How about that? There you go. Yeah, and versus so Arachnogenesis, uh, think about all the extra guacamole you could have. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna not not to go too hard into the finances of the deck, but it is it does absolutely say something when of uh, fifteen cards uh, on your architect here. Uh, we're talking about fifty seven dollars and fifteen cents for fogs, and thirty of it yep. is Arachnogenesis. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Most fogs do not cost that much. Nope. Yeah. yeah. It's it but it is like there's a couple of these that I really do like. Like I mean the the when you brought up riot control absolutely. Um Batwing Broom yeah. is one that I've never seen and it it seems really neat to me. Uh do you mind do you mind sharing that one with us? Oh, of course. Uh um one and uh Orzov hybrid. Uh it's prevent all combat damage that would be dealt this turn if white was spent to cast Batwing Broom. And each player loses one life for each attacking creature they control if black was spent to cast it. Interesting. Yeah. Um I I may have totally recently destroyed somebody with that. Uh um, on the <laughs> Which, sorry, like, they didn't entirely know what they were getting into. Sure. Um, but yeah, that's a real good one. And because it's two mana, you can do both. Yes. yes. Yeah. So, and, and then that's it turns a bit into so a not drain. There. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so there was one more thing that I wanted to bring up to you uh, about the fogs themselves, because it is something that you reference in the article itself. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, we're talking about 15 different fogs and there are two in here that when people think fogs, then they might not think fogs often. They're not here. You know, you're not running constant mists, the the Mm. buyback to sacrifice a Mm -hmm. land to be able to keep doing that fog as much as you want to. And, you know, more recently ink shield was made. And that is just a, a, like a, Oh, that's a backbreaker. Mm. But I like the reason that you said that you weren't running those in here. Like, I, I, I think uh, I saw one of them in your maybe board. But talk about that a little yeah. bit, you know, because I think it leans into 
kind of why we play magic the way we do, and it's one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on here. Oh, thank you. Well, Ink Shield is the one on the maybe board, and I'm mm -hmm. not running Ink Shield because I have a specific vision for the deck where I it's not that I'm not doing combat damage, but I mm -hmm. don't want to focus on winning through combat damage in this deck. And so, like, that one's on the maybe board, because it is kind of fitting into the turning people's resources against them thing. With that. Right. <laughs> and I even have a copy, uh, two copies, because my husband has claimed one of them. Ah. Um, but... Yeah, that one, it's cool. I like it. Also, I'm not thrilled about holding up five mana in a fog deck. And that is the thing, yeah. In a deck with 15 fogs, people are going to be like, where's your ink shield? <laughs> right. Yeah. That's, that's fair. And then Constant I Mists. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, please talk about Constant Mist. That's one of my favorite fogs. Yeah. I. Oh, oh I'm, I'm sorry about what I'm going to say here. Please. I think that constant mists in the decks that would run it kind of, well, you know what I'm going to say? I think they, they kind of promote toxic play patterns. Um, <laughs> I see it a lot in Lord Windgrace. And it's a good fog, and it's a strong card, but it sort of promotes this sort of game suddenly where that happens, you buy it back. And then for the people who are like, I'm going to try to win through combat, they suddenly are like, okay, well, I have to figure out, like, another way. Because, like, I can't get through this constant mist with any kind of meaningful combat. Mm. And That I is what it does. Yeah, that is exactly what it does. And that mm -hmm. was just not the vibe that I wanted for this deck. Like, I wanted to get this sort of, like, I could still lose to combat. I have 15 fogs, and it's a lot. And it is hard to do an alpha strike on this deck. But at the same time, like, I wanted to give people the thing like, hey, I might not have it. Like, you might... Especially... Oh, go ahead. Especially when you're talking about how the deck's purpose is to draw out the game, both figuratively and literally. Like, you are trying to get people to draw their cards. You're, gonna, you're not trying to stop people, necessarily, from doing the thing their decks were doing. You're protecting yourself. Mm -hmm. That's where your fogs are coming from. And... You know, I, I like the, you know, the the concept of, well, Ink Shield's five mana. I don't want to hold that up for this and this and that. Totally fine. And the idea of not running constant myths in here as far as like, you know what? I don't want to stop somebody from being able to do the thing their deck does and being able to just say, nope, you have to figure something out or you're going to have to hope for somebody else to deal with me yeah because you're not winning this way against me. And I get it, especially in a deck where you're going to be drawing enough cards to where you're going to be able to get those lands back pretty easily. Right. Um, and I, I like that as a concept, where it's... At, Constant Mists, undeniably, is a good card. It's very effective. And it's not in here because of the vision that you had for the deck. And I like that being kind of a concept on deck building itself. You can put all of the best stuff in, and your deck will do really good stuff with the best stuff. Or... Sometimes you can have a theme and you plan out how you want the game to feel and then you build a deck towards that feel. And that's exactly something I see a lot in this. Yeah, like at least for me when I'm building decks, I'm trying to chase like an experience mm -hmm. with right. each deck and I want each of my decks to be like a different kind of experience. 
And so, yeah, sure. I, I keep some stuff out. And then I guess hopping really quick back up on my soapbox, because this was a thing that happened <laughs> in my playgroup with uh, the use of constant mists. Sure. Which is when you have a deck that uses that, and it is like a deck you're playing a lot, and then com like combat just isn't a thing. You can't turn around and be like, why is everybody trying to combo out? Like, <laughs> like people... Because it, it's its own way, yeah, right? People, will, especially in a closed meta, people will respond to that. And that, I think, is the best way is to be like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to do combat. I guess I'm going to just combo you out. That's interesting to me that you make that distinction. And I agree. It's, it's an excellent way to build a deck that you want to chase that experience and not necessarily put in those really powerful cards. And I would argue that Constant Mist is probably the most powerful fog in the game. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you are running those 15 fogs. Do you not feel, or does your pod not feel, rather, that's, uh, that that same gambit is not one that they would take? That they wouldn't be better off comboing when a good 15 cards in your deck are, are going to prevent combat? Well, I, I have enough decks to switch it up. Um, but <laughs> also... You know, like, I, I would say to some degree, like, when I had played this with my in-person group, uh, that they do kind of not necessarily focus hard on combo, but, like, that did, sh this deck did kind of shift the meta a little bit, that, like, they would have some backup stuff, some ways to, uh, mm -hmm. to, like, you know, stop me from, uh, or, like, you know, hitting, like, strange damage, uh, which, to pull a term from, uh, Legendary Creature, because... I only have so many effects of, uh, like, that blank non-combat damage, so that would be another thing. Mm -hmm. Pl mm -hmm. Plus, like, in Mount Meta, it's like, we've got, like, Neheb and stuff like that, so... <laughs> oh, right. <fair> yeah. <laughs> no, I was gonna say, also, Questing Beast became a card in 2019, so there's that. <laughs> that... Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't see that, that card very often, honestly. Um... I see another card in your maybe list here that's one of my personal favorites, and I wanted to to ask you about it. And that card is Angel's Grace. I love that card, and uh, and it's in the maybe. So is that something you meant to include, or you're thinking about including? Uh, cut. What's it up with was that one? in the deck for a while, uh, mm -hmm. but for a while, Aristocrats became so hot with like a lot of the people that I was playing, and so it was mm -hmm. like. Okay. A lot of life drain and Angel's Grace didn't really work out that well. And then okay. it kind of, Angel's Grace found a home uh, when I was playing my CEDH deck in the uh, Flash Hulk meta. Because you can Angel's oh, Grace okay. somebody's uh, Thassa's Oracle. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, okay. okay. Well, good to know. I like that. Uh, Alex, Alex and I have talked several times about how we have kind of like some thoughts but they're more hypothesis based on how you know cdh would operate and things right. along those lines and the idea that angel's grace is a cdh card because it can definitely stop some stuff at, at that okay that i i liked that card before well, i think I we that it can it can hold its own an excellent opportunity here mike now that we have i mean lenny you you said you played cdh do you play cdh with some regularity uh, yeah, you like to do? Yeah, I do, That's actually. Great. I really love CEDH a lot. Um, we have... Sure. Uh, we don't play CDH ourselves, and, and we've openly wondered to the air 
because we don't know that many CEDH players. Uh, since this is the Social Contract Podcast, what's, if anything, would define a social contract in a CEDH meta or the CEDH format? Because we don't, we just don't, we don't play that way. Oh. Uh, we like is, is making deals under that's underhanded in a in a CDH game. We don't even know. Let's 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 we we gotta rewind a little bit. Okay, sure. CEDH is its own social contract. Yes. Uh, what is the contract? <laughs> yes. What is that contract? Yeah. So uh, I'm I'm not the greatest CEDH expert, but uh, I will uh, do my best for everybody here. Uh, if it means anything, you're the biggest CEDH expert that we've had on the podcast. Absolutely. Oh, geez. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> well, it's a couple things. So first off. You think of CEDH as, uh, was it Nathan the Hermit Druid said, I think said this really, he was the one I think that said this, and this I hold this true, mm-hmm. that it is the only, the world's only global successful rule zero conversation. Hmm. It, you can go to a CEDH game and you go in understanding that you're going to play the best magic that you possibly can. You are not going to be restricted by you're not restricting yourself with things like theme or like, you know, you want a certain experience or you do want a certain experience. That's what it is. The most powerful magic that you want to play. And there's a lot of variety you can play in that, but that they expect like tight plays and they expect, which is not to say like they aren't like, like you don't have to be like a freaking pro tour player. Like my experience in the CEDH community for the most part has been, they're like, well, we understand if you are learning this. The idea is that you try to play that way and you don't say things like, oh, you know what? Like, I could do this, but this is the fun play. It's like, no, you do the right play every time. That's like the rule zero conversation. That's what you agreed to do when you play CEDH. And so in that way, it is a rule zero conversation and that is your social contract. That's interesting. So it would be against the contract to make that fun play to make that play that you that isn't moving you towards the win yeah and and so in that way i guess making a deal that would help you win is that something that people would think is okay or they would poo-poo any sort of deal well they don't usually make deals like that politics kind of takes like a different form where it's like it's kind of more like the the type of politics that also happen in regular commander where you'll point stuff out or they'll be like, Hey, are you so like, is this, Mm. you're going to win? And then we're like, who's got interaction stuff like that. Just like pointing out like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Like this, this is a thing we have to worry about, but it's not deals. Like if I do this, then I want you to do that. Like that, that I don't see in CDH. It's less transactional. It's more more table threat management. Yeah, it, yeah, it's it's uh, brinkmanship is the word I'm going to okay. use. Okay, okay. Yeah, because everybody's everybody's all agreed in sitting down mm-hmm. preparing for a game of CEDH that the goal is to play the most powerful magic and to win, mm-hmm. right? In the most you know powerful way that your deck can. Or the point is, is that everybody signed up for the idea of we're going to play powerful magic and I'm going to do my very best to win the game. Yeah. However. If somebody is about to win the game and they aren't you, it is in your best interest as well as the other people at that table to try and stop that thing from happening because then you are no longer 
playing the game that you were trying to. Exactly. You can shuffle up and play again. Yeah. But it has to, you know, all games got to end and in a CEDH game. That's specifically the point, as opposed to kind of this back of your mind thing where it's like, well, the game's got to end sometime. No, that's the principle. The game does have yeah. to end. Although, yeah. Yeah, I I would never ever say that CEDH players aren't trying to chase an experience. Sure. Right. Yeah, because it, 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 yeah. if you think crazy stuff happens in like like a regular commander, uh, <laughs> like you can get some wild stuff happening in CEDH too. It, that's that's actually not that surprising because yeah. if you're if you're taking all of the best cards, yeah. And tuning them and everything along those lines. That also means that you're tuning your decks to be able to stop other people from doing their stuff, which means there's interaction, which means there's a lot of the stack gets manipulated this way. And whoa, that's a card that totally works well. Again. I, I could see that. Yeah. I, I and I've, I I I get that. My I think my problem is that I just wouldn't be. Able, I, I don't think I'd be able to keep up. <laughs> I'm, In the I'm game too, or financially. Uh. Well, financially is def- not necessarily an def- issue. Def- yeah, definitely, definitely one of them, possibly both of them, because I feel like there's a bunch of cards that are really good in CDH that I don't, I don't have any like, oh, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't play that in my regular decks, and it's not because you know they're bad mm-hmm. for my regular decks or they're especially good. It's just, oh, that's just not what I'm going to do. Right. And I think a lot of cards kind of follow that theme, right, to where. Just because it's really, really good doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a really, really expensive card. Um, it, it's more of a how rare it is. And, and just because it's good in CDH doesn't mean that it would be good in casual ADH. That is also a thing for sure. Now, I have a bit of right. a, a silly question. It, mm-hmm. you, you've expressed that CDH is about playing the best magic that you can and winning the best and the fastest that you can. Um, what if, theoretically, there were some sort of group hug-like or political style commander that just happened to be able to win on turns two, three, and four, uh, or whenever your CDH decks win, would playing such a commander that can benefit your opponents be considered completely a non-starter? Or is that just something that uh, that would just get rolled with the punches because you can win so fast that it doesn't even matter? Is that Does that exist? And if it doesn't, uh, what, what would you think about something like that? Uh, well, I, I would say, and at least the people that I know would say is it is it like, if you can do that and if you can present that, present that threat or like interact with people who are trying to Mm -hmm. present that threat Mm -hmm. from, yeah, like that's fine. I, at least in the circles I run, like that kind of, that kind of innovation is celebrated. I mean, one of the people Mm. I know, uh, Mab the queen, um, she had, uh, I don't know if she still has this, but I've played against it. She has her Turbo Hive Mind competitive deck, which is to oh, wow. basically power out Hive Mind as fast as possible. That's hmm. dangerous. And, 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 hive Mind does weird stuff in CEDH. <laughs> yes, judges have nightmares about Hive Mind. Yeah. Hive Mind does weird yes. stuff in, oh, in, in, oh, yeah. in Whenever you cast here. it. Yeah. It just imagine <laughs> yeah. trying to go for your combo win. Uh, when everybody's Connor spells are copied, <laughs> <laughs> including your own, That's you right. can't protect your own win because everybody else is like, "Not nah, cool, I'm going to counter that." So, like, yeah. and do, I saw her do like the most wild thing with that 
she angels graced the uh, 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 a But the okay. thing that was crazy that I saw her do was she went Wheel of Fortune, or not Wheel of Fortune, Wheel of Misfortune. Oh. Uh, hold priority intervention pact, uh, which is you prevent all damage a source would do to you this turn, and you gain Ooh, that we much life. About this. And you can name an Ooh. arbitrarily high number. Yeah. Yeah. So she just That's like. Nuts. Named ten billion and then just got a fresh yeah, seven yeah. with ten billion life. <laughs> we briefly talked about uh, this because I had some players ask me um, because at that point when you can't take damage or damage is being prevented and you're playing Wheel of Misfortune, um, it really is sort of like a highest number contest, <laughs> Who can come right? So, number. so they were asking me because we have a lot of people who who love mathematics in the servers that I roll in. They're like, Oh, well, can I, can I list uh Graham's number or, or tree three as, as my, as my number for wheel of misfortune, which are these extremely fast growing functions that aren't very well defined. And we're like, no, 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 no. You need to, you need to list a well-defined number. 10 billion is fine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't, you can't list positive infinity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not not this time. Yeah. Sorry. You can do that in the other yeah. games where you can That's crazy that that infinite, actually happened right? and in a CDH game no less. Right? That's very yeah. cool. How fun. All right. I might Thanks for that insight. I'm not going to say it yet. I might I might but I might I might have to do some more digging and see if I can find something that suits me and the way that I play and be able to do that cuz I but I'm just so addicted to Battle Cruiser. Yeah. Of course. I just love We love Battle Cruiser. I love casting big dumb stuff. Well, I mean, um, hit me up later. Say, uh, just real quick, though. Like, okay. there's the CEDH deck list database. And then also hit mm-hmm. me up later. I can probably put you in touch with some people and some servers that are uh, good places to play that are very new player friendly. Or I can even shout out huh. some people right now on this podcast. Feel, feel free. Well, I mean, I mentioned Mab the Queen. Um, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who has been kind enough to invite me on their stream, uh, Dan uh, from Moderately Anonymous MTG, uh, who has okay. the best CEDH content in the multiverse. Uh, <laughs> it's pretty good. They've got like a really nice. Uh, they had a. They'll. They'll. They're super happy to like teach people stuff about CEDH. They've had a couple streams where they'll teach people who are interested and look at decks that might be good for them. Mm-hmm. And their servers are really good, safe places for people. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look into it. I I had I had I had not so secretly hoped that the premise of CEDH itself wasn't like. I I think it gets a little bit of a bad rap because we're all casual and we're like, oh, we don't want to do that because this is it's not as fun. Blah, blah, blah. But. If you're all agreeing to the rules of the game as you're sitting down, you're all going to have fun because you know exactly what you're signing up for. Mm. Win, lose, or draw, which I guess would be really uncommon in a CDH game. Yeah. But the point the point is is that if you know what you're doing and everybody agrees that that's what you want to do, that's going to be a good time regardless of whatever the game is. Mm-hmm. That so, brings up uh, an, fair enough. an interesting idea, um, an interesting question, I think. Now, we regularly have this issue as as players of Casual Commander in that we'll have that World Zero conversation at the start, talking about how powerful our decks are. Obviously, we'll all say it's a seven, what our decks want to do, how we mm-hmm. win, and try to, you know, suss out what the power level is. And you said, of course, that CDH 
has that very streamlined, everyone's coming in, uh, knowing exactly what they want to do. Everyone knows what everyone else is trying to do, and that's win fast. Have you ever experienced um, that sort of bad faith conversation, like in casual, whatever equivalent this would be for CDH, of like, oh, my deck's a seven, but really it was a ten? Um, can that even happen in CDH? Can somebody show up with a bad faith deck or uh, or not really know what they're doing and, and mess up the game? Is that something that can even happen? I suppose it's possible. Like, uh, I've never really encountered it. Okay. Uh, what I've seen okay. is I've had people like in a rule zero conversation in CEDH say, hey, I've got this homebrew thing that I want to try, like, or I just brewed this new mm-hmm. deck and I want to try it out. And that's like part of that. So people could either opt in or out of that and say, yeah, okay, okay. I'm down to help you play test your deck. Sure. Yeah. But versus like, no, I want to play against something that's like proven um, or I don't want to play against weird off meta stuff. So I suppose you could do that or somebody could show up and be like, actually, you know, I will say that something that probably does happen is you'll have people that are convinced their deck is CEDH, Mm. which uh, it's a little awkward to get into that. Um, But I would say that it's possible uh, then. And I think I at least have heard of this happening where it's not. Mm-hmm. and the person gets really salty about it, and I think, like, mm-hmm. bringing in your salt is, like, another thing. Like, it happens everywhere, but, like, you know, if things didn't sure. go your way, bringing your salt because your deck wasn't up to par. Like, you know, your deck was a 7, and you thought it was a 10. Right. Mm-hmm. So, like, that could happen. Yeah. yeah. And so also... Is really, that, that conversation's relying on you're talking about these meta, these solved decks, and about how there's a list of of every known viable CDH deck, and and you're saying that basically, unless you're bringing one of these known decks in, then you need to give people a heads up that this is not a normal deck that you've seen before. Is that am I understanding that correctly? Uh, yeah, it, it, that's what I've seen. Like, I I couldn't okay. speak to whether mm-hmm. or not that's like uh the hard and fast rule, but I have seen that multiple sure. times where they'd be like, hey, yeah. And like yeah, it's the list isn't every known CEDH deck, but they have like a curated list of CEDH decks that you can just go and look at and be like, you know, you can take them to the vast this, yeah. I've read those. Works. I've read those lists. They're very interesting. All the different tiers. I yeah. find it fascinating that we that we even have like seven, eight, nine, and ten, and then people are like, oh, but ten is only for CEDH, but CEDH has its own tier list. They don't need our casual <laughs> tier list that doesn't even work. Well, that just gets into the fact that the grading everything on a one to ten scale in in Commander, where there's everyone tries and competitive. It's it's yeah. it's man, we're on completely different tiered systems on everything right. and individually from each other. Right. Um, this is the power of Atraxa, to where we were talking about this super fun, <laughs> no combat damage because fogs and group hug aspect, and we still got into competitive. No, it's really. Because- <laughs> important that we got to talk to oh, someone absolutely. who's a lover of group hug and both and having an experience at the table but also mm-hmm. knows about cdh and can answer our very silly questions yeah yeah i i think it's good to play like a wide variety of like things like yeah i like that i have a variety of decks from like my best one which is my cedh uh deck which is tashar ancestors apostle mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh to uh so I, I still gotta be hipster and play mono white in CEDH. 
sure. uh, to my very worst deck, which is my Marisi gold, uh, my Marisi Breaker of the Coil, oh, the a Johnny Goldmane yeah. Tribal deck. Oh sure. yeah, that's what I'm I talking like about. That. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, you gave us the you know the your version of one in ten here. Uh, where do you where do you think your this this attracts a group hug deck? Which, by the way. I've done a disservice to everybody because part of the reason I knew that this was going to be a fun conversation is because you put a pun in the title for the actual deck name where it is Atrax's Missed Connections, M-I-S-T. <laughs> and I was just like, oh, no, it's it, we're going to get along just fine here. Um, where Where is this? Like, you know, obviously you said uh, you were talking about it earlier where – you know, in kind of the Reddit thread about this article, there was some question. It's like, I don't really know if this is going to work, but you've been running this deck for years and it you works. Know it works. Like, yeah. It plays. Well, so where does uh, it sit? I mean, yeah. it's a naturally a seven, obviously. Of course, okay. everything is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well. <sighs> about how fast does it win really is the question. Oh God, it wins so slow. Like, Okay. But that's by design. Yeah. Like it's its entire concept is to draw the game out and elongate it. So I guess it's not a it's not a matter of Okay, if everybody's sitting down and we're saying, hey, you know what? Play whatever you want and we're just gonna try and do some fun stuff. Is this one of the first decks that you're pulling out? Or is this a <laughs> oh okay, I need to uh, somebody's paying some power for my first deck of the night so. attracts a group hug yeah yeah <laughs> really really set the tone this is definitely not one of the first decks that i will put out like <laughs> I, I will offer it because like people are like oh yeah that's like super cool um yes. but like i feel like it does a lot of things and it runs a few problematic cards so i'm like mm -hmm. less likely to put it up there like i guess if i gave it okay. a number i would say like honestly yeah like six seven somewhere in there but like okay. it's got like smothering tithe and while yeah. i play slow and like i'm like it can kind of set up situations that are hard for people to deal with where everyone's drawing like mm -hmm. a bunch of cards and i'm like okay i have like eight cards in hand i've got removal i've got counter spells i got fogs or i drop smothering tithe and then suddenly i'm like okay prosperity for eight <laughs> and then yes. And then they're like, okay, oh, cool. I just drew uh, Skyscribing. So Skyscribing for 22. Uh, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then... And uh, any respectable group hug deck with white in it yeah. that draws people cards, it has to run Smother and Tithe, of course. Mm -hmm. It's allowed. Yeah, but it's like some, some people don't appreciate that or like they well, or they don't like Mill and so they don't want to see like Psychic Corrosion or Mind Grind. <laughs> and you know what? That's that's not something that you have to worry about in CDH because everybody knows that you're just going to do the thing that's going to be best for winning. Yeah. So look at that. Yeah. That that huh. Sorry, I'm having I'm having a CDH. No, this is this is great. We're learning like so it. much. I do have one more question about CDH. <laughs> I've heard that some CDH decks um are so tuned somehow to the way that CDH is played that they actually aren't very powerful in in casual commander is that something that your deck's experience is that even true uh yes that is true um uh, honestly like i'd mentioned mab uh and uh if you ever mm -hmm. want to reach out to her uh she's awesome person she has the queerest kindest uh 
content uh, commander, <laughs> basically the <laughs> queerest, kindest commander content. Prove her wrong. I like that. Nice. Yeah. Um, so she's really good and just way better at me than me at like this and just like attacking the CEDH meta. Uh, and so she'll mm-hmm. talk about like how there are a lot of decks out there that like maybe aren't so great, but like they're designed to capitalize on what people are doing in CEDH. So yeah, I would say. Hmm. Um, actually, what I do know is we can talk about stacks. Nice. We talk yeah. about that all uh, the time. Yeah, one of us talks about that all the time, and, and then, then the Mike wanders the into room. the other room and so, yeah, contemplates okay. dark thoughts. Why don't why don't you two uh, have a talk about that as uh, I take some notes on the editing and stuff like that? Oh, What's, it, uh, there, there's, do you like combat? Do you like combat in Commander? Of course, we like, like combat. I like combat. I think, sure. I think you should stick around for my conversation on stacks. Then okay, okay. Oh. The headphones are going back on, okay. even though they couldn't have been off for me to hear you. Doesn't matter. What if I told you there's a lot of CEDH decks that win through combat damage? I mean, I've heard that, that makes sense to me. Sure. I've heard okay. That, yeah. Uh, one guy, Sakara. Uh, he, he just recently got a deck on the CEDH deck database, Hipster Stacks, which is Ardentana. Mm. Okay. And the idea. I'm I'm hmm? I'm scared because I love Arden. <laughs> so, well, the, the, think of Stacks as the idea of attacking the specific meta. So, like Stacks and CEDH is stuff like you know. Thalia, Guardian of Thraven, making non-creature spells cost more, or the really big players, Rule of Law, or Archon of Ameria, people Mm -hmm. only cast one spell a turn, because the meta now is very much like uh, fighting turbo ad nauseum, to just cast ad nauseum Mm -hmm. as fast as possible. And and, uh, a great way to stop people from who've drawn a ton of cards off of ad nauseum is to say, that's cool, you can play one of those a turn. (laughs) <laughs> okay so that the deck is kind of built around things like that and then it's art and tana because tana has trample makes a bunch of dudes and you can play mm-hmm. say colossus hammer and he'll make oh tana God. a 12 12 while you've got stuff that's out out that's like yeah your non-creature spells cost like a bunch more you can play one spell a turn hmm. things like that and i'm going to attack you with 12 12 trample Speaking of uh, of tax effects making things cost more, um, one of my favorite cards I've heard sees play in CDH, even though I would call it a group hug card, and that's uh, Helm of Awakening. Yeah, is that uh, is that a card you'd recognize as CDH level? Uh, it doesn't really show up as much anymore. I think it showed up okay. more in like the Flash Hulk meta, but this is me stepping way outside of my lane to talk about that. Sure. I mean, it's it's good, um, and I've seen it show up in uh, the deck database list of Tishar in the past, or I've seen it in other competitive Tishar lists in the past. Uh, I don't run it in mine, and it's not in the deck that I mine is based on. Um, but like negating that cost can be useful for comboing out with, like, say, artifacts. Right. I guess what I was specifically asking about is not whether it was useful to the player who cast it, which of course it would be, um, but whether there's any sort of grumbling or looking down your nose at somebody who's playing this card and then someone else is able to take advantage of it by playing out their cards at a discounted cost. Does that come into play at all? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Fair enough. Interesting. Huh. Well, this has been good insight in, in both Very informative. In two different things because uh, you know we've we we want to take you know some of these commanders that are either well known or you know do things that you know Atraxa does a thousand different things. Oh and, yes. You know, even just looking on EDH rec, you know, if I go to themes for Atraxa, there's a lot of Atraxa decks. Mm-hmm. Until very recently, she was number one. Yeah. yeah. And, I, and you know, I, I look at uh, the, you know, the different themes, and Group Hug isn't on there. Not but at all. that doesn't mean you can't do it. And that's, you had a concept and a theme, and you went with it, and it looks cool. I and love this And then even deck. going into, even going into CDH, you know, there's, I, I feel like I had a good idea of kind of the concept of what you're trying to do with CDH. But it is good to know that it is like, hey, this is this is not a unwelcoming community. You know, it's mm-hmm. a, hey, don't get salty if you lose, because the point is we're all here to win. But we're all here to win, so we're all going to have a good time trying to get there, win or lose. And that's that's encouraging, and I really like that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, so I'll tell you what, uh, Lenny, thank you very much for being with us. Thanks for all of the insight. I we definitely love to have you back again and... For sure. You know, possibly play some games because I want to see this deck in action <laughs> yes. at some point in the near future. Uh, but in the meantime, how can people find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me uh, on the Twitter birds uh, at Lenny Woolley. That's L-E-N-N-Y-W-O-O-L-E-Y. Uh, you can find my article series, Power Sync, on EDHREC.com. It's a small website you may have heard of. Maybe. Uh, Once or twice. Yeah. Oh. Like, it's some weird form or something. Um, You can... Also, if you want to watch me play Commander, uh, you can find me on multiple Sundays. Not every Sunday, but I am (laughs) one-fourth of the budget EDH stream, the Scrap Trawlers. Yeah. And then, if magic isn't your bag, you can also find me streaming (laughs) D&D. You're a busy man. I I am. Thank you. Yes, I am. Uh, Every other Monday, so I've not this past Monday, but I got one coming up next. Uh, that's run by another amazing content creator, Sage of Fables. They do both D and D as part of the Venture Maidens, and they do, and we're on the Venture Maidens Twitch channel. Uh, and mm-hmm. um, they also do their own Magic: The Gathering content, both uh, competitive and casual. Uh, it's a YouTube, yeah. They have a YouTube channel, and uh, they run a Theros. D&D game uh, that is on the Venture Maiden Switch channel live streamed and on the Mind Sculptors YouTube channel with uh, various other people in the magic content creating community. So it's Callahan from the Mind Sculptors, uh, Charles, <laughs> mono white guy. Uh, I think he's from the Mind Sculptors. I haven't quite pinned down everything, but uh, brilliant, brilliant person. Definitely worth a follow. Uh, at Ivaldi on Twitter, and uh, we also have uh, Clavy from uh, CNC Power Hour, who is mm-hmm. also in the game. Uh, can I tell you something silly? What always? So, uh, <laughs> I I didn't know that you were on the Venture Maidens, a uh, Twitch channel that I was like 
this is familiar. I've watched them before. <laughs> Went are was already following and watched a couple episodes awesome. a ago, and it's like, oh, hey, oh, that's Lenny. I'm talking to him right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so that's there so we cool. go. We're gonna we're gonna have to we're we're gonna have to talk some D and D and some MTG and all of the other nerdy things in the near future. But before we do that, Alex, if people have some questions about some of the CEDH cards, Atraxa cards, Fog cards, everything along those lines, and how they interact, or judge questions, or anything along the lines of Magic that, I mean, are worthwhile worthwhile questions to ask because they're all worthwhile questions. How can people find you? Sure, Mike. They can find me on Twitter at Lapermedic. That's L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. Or you can email me privately at alex at edhrec.com. I also have uh, my other project, the Commander Spellbook, which uh, incidentally does have the doubling season combo that we talked about today. I was going to say, did you look it up? (laughs) I looked it up. I put it in our Discord here. We're going to put it in the show notes just in case you heard about that combo. You're like, wow, I want to run that combo. Well, you can now. And you can learn exactly how to run it. That's commanderspellbook.com. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast. Uh, If you enjoyed our conversation, please subscribe, rate the podcast, do all that good stuff that helps us out. Speaking of helping us out, if you want to buy any of the cards we talked about, deck boxes, sleeves, etc., you can support us by going to bit.ly slash edh underscore social. We're going to put a link in the show notes. There you'll go to our uh, TCG player affiliate link where... You'll buy all the cards that you were going to anyway. You're going to be able to help us out by doing so. You're already going to buy the cards. Help us out. Or don't. It's okay. Proxies are good too. Also, we have a Discord link in the show notes. You can go there to talk to us about cards that you want to see for our... Ooh, can I see that segment? Ask our honorable Judge Alex questions. Talk about other people you want to have on the podcast like Lenny, who has been absolutely awesome and a joy to have here Follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social or email us at the social contract EDH at gmail.com. Alex, Lenny, this was a lot of fun. Everyone else, we'll talk to you soon. It was. Thank you so much, Lenny, for coming on. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.